What is going on, ladies and gentlemen? I am your host, Armand Lee, back after a week break, an unintended week break, but a week break nonetheless. And of course, you are listening to the Quarterly Report Podcast, episode 60. Can't believe it's been 60 episodes. Time is flying by, but that just means we're all having fun. Thank you so very much for checking in and rocking with me. Last week, we were supposed to have a show, but there were some technical difficulties. So shout out to last week's guest, AJ Atai. I'm going to put up his interview on Instagram. Doesn't really work so much now because the Capitals are now Stanley Cup champions. But I appreciated him stopping by. So you will be able to hear that content, that interview from last week's show that didn't make air because of technical difficulties. But enough about that. We're moving on, focusing on the future. And man, we got a hell of a show for you this week. My guy, Troy Macker, making a return appearance on the show. The last time he was here, all of you guys who fill out brackets, y'all know all too well, he held y'all down. I've seen the emails and the tweets thanking me for him, so he's going to come back. No brackets to discuss this week, but we will be focusing on the upcoming NBA draft and what the Washington Wizards need to focus on and what talented players may be available at number 15. All that plus, we got to check Kobe Bryant. Kobe Bryant's running his mouth and sounding real stupid. So who better than myself to check one of the game's all-time greats? All that and so much more. But first, the number one topic this week. First quarter. The old saying goes that life is stranger than fiction. And we got a, a really good glimpse of this this week in the sporting world for two different reasons in two totally different sports. And maybe strange isn't the adjective that I'd use, but maybe Ironic is a certain romanticism about this for our first topic. But since the last time I spoke to you all, we now have crowned two new champions in the sports world. One on the hardwood, one on the ice. Obviously, I'm talking about the Golden State Warriors and the Washington Capitals. Now, Golden State, they're winning their third championship in four years, right? They just won back-to-back Kevin Durant, back-to-back finals MVP. They have done what was expected of them. Once they beat Houston, everyone knew that they were going to beat Cleveland unless some unforeseen injury or meltdown took place. And obviously, all the meltdowns, the one huge meltdown happened on Cleveland's side, and that was enough to get a four-game sweep for Golden State, winning their second championship in as many years. On the flip side, the Capitals, Not only did they win their first championship ever, they won their city their first championship in, what, 26 years. I mean, I'm not from D.C., but most of my family, they are. My best friends are. Many people I've known for significant chunks of my life are rejoicing. They're not even hockey fans. But the idea that you can call yourself a champion, that your city can be recognized as a champion, Man, I can only imagine what that feels like. Y'all know I like one team, and I don't know if they will ever win another championship. They've won two. Both of them happened before I was born, okay? So I don't. I can't even wrap my mind around the feeling. And the, the, the area was going nuts all week. And it was so dope to see because 
they've went, they've hit their head trying to break through over and over again. And it seemed as if there were times where they were going to lose hope. And they were, and Alex Ovechkin, his leadership was questioned. And pundits, they attacked him, questioning whether the team should trade him and move on. And all these things that happened, they, these, these are things that aren't made up, really happened. And the team, and Ovechkin in particular, they persevered. And this is what I want to talk about because there's a juxtaposition that has gone on this week between Kevin Durant and Alexander Ovechkin. And it's fascinating on many levels, one of which Kevin Durant is a local kid. He's a local product. So he's got a Nationals tattoo like the, the Curly W. So you know he's kept an eye on this. Maybe he's happy for the air. I'm sure he is. Look, say what you want about Kevin Durant. The man is an amazing guy for this community. Prince George's County, he has put his money where his mouth is, donated 10 millions, millions of dollars to community centers, uh, um, schools, homeless shelters, basketball uh, courts, etc. So you know he pays close attention to what's going on in this area. And I wondered, because on Monday, both teams on both different coasts celebrated their championships. And we know that Kevin Durant, he's even said as much, right? Last year he was quoted, I think he was on one of the late night talk shows saying, I thought winning a championship would feel better. I thought I would feel better. And then you start putting the pieces together. You see the burner accounts, him defending himself after winning finals MVP. How hurt he was that the fans of Oklahoma City and other teams called him a snake and a cupcake. And he's even come out and said that he's a very sensitive guy, which, you know, is commendable to be a sensitive person and then, like, not shy away from that. Because especially in, comp in competition, in, in sports, you know, it's very macho, you know, who's a real man, like all this like false bravado that goes on. And KD has a certain amount of, I don't know, self-understanding that he didn't shy away from it. But the thing is, Kevin Durant led Golden State in points, rebounds, field goal percentage in this past series, the four-game sweep over Cleveland to win their third championship in four years. And when he won finals MVP, the fans of Golden State, not just, I'm talking about the real fans of Golden State. They didn't want him to win it. They wanted that finals MVP to go to Steph. Like, they were Warriors fans mad that Steph didn't get this finals MVP. Not that they don't like Kevin Durant, but they don't love him. When you, think, when you talk to real Warriors fans, and I'm not talking about these, you know, Fairweather fans who just now all of a sudden came along. I'm talking about Warriors fans who who had a Monte Ellis jersey. Warriors fans who know what run TMC means, who can name them without blinking an eye. Warriors fans who remembered Anthony Randolph, who thought he was going to be what Anthony Davis ended up becoming, right? Those Warriors fans, the real Warriors fans, ask them how they feel about Kevin Durant. They like him. They absolutely like him. They love having him on their team because he helps them win. But they don't love him. He's not their favorite. 
He's not their second favorite. I don't even know if he's their third favorite, to be honest with you. Look, the way the Warriors fans feel about Steph Curry is something that I don't know Kevin Durant will ever experience again. Draymond, we know when you're the heart and soul, the tough guy, the guy who kind of rallies the troops, those guys are beloved by fan bases. My favorite player ever is Charles Oakley. I know a lot of people probably couldn't stand him. I loved Oakley. And Draymond is not a popular player throughout the league in terms of fans because he's dirty as hell. But Warriors fans, they love Draymond, and it's easy to see why. And then Clay, who plays better in bigger moments, Kevin Durant included, than Clay Thompson. Every time they need a big shot, every time they need a big run, big moments, a big shot, a big defensive stop, who's there to answer the call? And Clay has this kind of persona that just comes off as cool. He just doesn't care. And it plays well. Klay Thompson's probably, at this point, the most popular Warrior player outside of that the Bay Area. Like, everybody likes Klay. You know what I mean? It's hard not to. So maybe, maybe Durant is more popular among Warriors fans than Klay, but I don't know. I'm not confident in that. And I say all of that to say, again, when you have the proper context, when you see Kevin Durant say, you know, I thought I would feel better, I... I he clearly thought winning championships was going to validate him across the NBA spectrum. And what I think he kind of miscalculated, everybody understands Kevin Durant's greatness. All, everyone. But he's more disliked now than he once was. Because people feel, whether rightly or wrongly, and I think it's absolutely correct, that he took the easy way out. And I use the Capitals as kind of the counterpoint here, because Alexander Ovechkin, in my opinion, and maybe I'm wrong, and I'll discuss this later on with Troy Macker, my guest this week, but I feel Alexander Ovechkin will now be the most beloved athlete in D.C. sports history. Now, nobody's going to be able to, to hang with Joe Gibbs or John Thompson or Gary Williams. Like The, the, the coaches, you got to separate because you know it's, it's, it's just weird that way. Now, I don't know if anybody's going to be more loved than Joe Gibbs in this town. But in terms of the athletes, and I personally think Doug Williams is the closest person only because, and again, I'm not comparing Doug Williams to Alexander Ovechkin as players. Alexander Ovechkin is obviously a far greater player than Doug Williams is in their respective sport. But Doug represents so much his historic Super Bowl championship means a lot to a lot of people in a very diverse area in D.C., I don't really feel I need to really dive deeper in that. If you have half a brain and if you've been in this area, you understand how important and how significant Doug Williams is. You don't even have to be a fan of the Burgundy and Gold to be a fan of Doug Williams. But he's the only one. And again, his, his is different because Ovechkin is clearly the greater player. And what also makes Ovechkin so different and why I want to use him in this quarter it's because Ovechkin is beloved, not because he's great. That's that's added. Alexander Ovechkin is beloved in this area because the fans went through the pain. The fans went through the agony. The fans went through hell with him. He never quit. 
He never took the easy way out. He was criticized un for ridiculous reasons, right? People went at Ovechkin, and it wasn't fair. And the fans, because they saw how much he cared. We've seen this guy be a baby face prodigy to grow with the grays in his hand and like this grizzled veteran. We've seen it. We've lived it. And it was so funny to watch both parades on the same day and realize Kevin Durant wants to be loved the way Alexander Ovechkin is, and I don't think he'll ever get there. Kevin Durant wants to be loved the way LeBron James is, and he'll never get there. LeBron James can leave Cleveland, and I hope the fans of Cleveland are smart enough to understand. You can't say anything else to him. If he leaves at, after the finals, after this playoff run, you tip your cap and you say, look, man, your statue is ready whenever you're done. Whenever you're ready to hang him up, your statue comes that first night. Unconditional love from Cleveland, Akron to LeBron from this point, like forevermore. Russell Westbrook may never win a championship, probably won't. But even if Kevin Durant were to go back to Oklahoma City, which is probably never going to happen, he will never, KD will never be loved the way those fans love Russ. Because Russ stayed, he persevered, he's trying. You can see he is trying everything he can do to win. Win for him, but win for the city. Alexander Ovechkin was unfairly criticized time and time again from national, hell, Canadians, so even international pundits for a sport that is clearly a team game, right? Every, I mean, every year, Ovechkin was ready to change size, was ready to do this, had speculation, okay, maybe he needs to come on this line, play on whatever the case, he was there for the team. Maybe he's just a, he's just a shooter. So then he's super physical. No matter what they needed, Ovi was there, was criticized unfairly, but ultimately he persevered and brought a championship to a team, to a city. And it, the love, I can't even tell you, the love this town has for Alexander Ovechkin, if he never played a second in, of hockey again, this man is made in D.C., made man. And he probably goes back to Russia when he's done. But he is a made man forever. He's got a baby, baby Ovechkin, made man too. That's the type of love that Ovi has. That's the type of love that Steph has, LeBron has, Tom Brady has. All of the greats. And understand, Kevin Durant is an all-time great. Now, make no mistake. But he, and it's clear because he's so sensitive and he wears his emotions on his sleeve. And he has told us. He is seeking that type of admiration, adulation, and he'll never get it. Because what he thought was going to fix it, what he thought was going to cure all of his ills, ultimately, is, is what's going to prevent him from actually seeking his goal. You know, it's like when, when you watch a movie or a TV show and you make a deal with the devil, right? And the devil's like, I'll give you, I'll grant you all your wishes because you think that's what's going to make you happy, but ultimately you get all this, but then you, you feel worse. I feel like that's Kevin Durant. Kevin Durant is, is the guy who sells his soul to the devil, chasing all the, you know, the money and the accolades and the awards, 
but ultimately feels worse for it. You can tell. Look at the parade. Look at look at the expressions on Nick guys like Steph, Clay, Draymond. Obviously, is having having the time of his life. But even Rob, like they're having more fun than Kevin Durant. Kevin Durant is the Finals MVP, and he still seems empty. Because he'll never be adored and don't tell. And I'm, I'm not trying to make it seem like this is all that matters to athletes. I'm not a professional athlete. I have no idea. But again, I, I'm looking at Ovechkin. I'm looking at Steph Curry. I remember Cleveland's parade. Just look at Kevin Durant. He'll even tell you. It's so when I was sitting back watching all of the parade news and stuff on Monday, it just dawned on me. We always, in our arguments, oh, well, LeBron can never be Michael Jordan because he can't win six and all this other stuff. We, we use the championship argument for legacy as the end-all, be-all. But in application, it really doesn't matter because no one in D.C. cares if Ovechkin wins more than one. He is made. No one cares in D.C. that Doug Williams only won one. He is made. No one should care in Cleveland that LeBron brought them one championship. You shouldn't care. And I don't think they do. Kevin Durant probably is on his way to winning two to three more championships. Probably two to three more finals MVPs. But his legacy will not be that of someone who is beloved in any city. Oklahoma City, even in Golden State, where he may be the best player on the team, but he's not the most beloved, and that matters almost as much, maybe equally as much when you're discussing legacy. I'd like to hear what you guys think about that. What matters most to a player? Do you think Kevin Durant is really hurt, or am I exaggerating? Get involved. Let me know. Email me at quarterlyreport at gmail.com. That's Q-U-A-R-T-E-R-L-E-E report at gmail.com. Tweet at me at quarterly show on Twitter. And always leave a comment. Rate the show on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, wherever you listen to your podcast. Let me know. Get involved. Interact with me because I honestly feel that this is a something that hurts Kevin Durant. Hell, he went on television saying he may retire at 35. You're at the peak of your play abilities, winning back-to-back finals MVPs, and you want to retire? What does that tell you? Because to me, it tells me that he thought this was going to be way better than it absolutely than it actually is. And I absolutely feel that he is not all the way happy despite being at the top of the basketball world. All right, guys, that was quarter number one. We're going to kind of stay in the basketball world realm, if you will, for our second topic. Although I'm focusing my attention solely on someone who hasn't played basketball professionally in quite some time. It's our second topic this week. Second quarter. Kobe Bryant has an interesting spot in the NBA landscape. I've said this several times in the past. Depending on your company, Kobe Bryant is either the most overrated player or the most underrated player in NBA history. It's crazy. Like, I have people who I trust, NBA smart minds, 
who think Kobe Bryant is a bum. I also have people, smart minds, people who I trust basketball-wise, will tell me that Kobe Bryant is one of the five greatest players of all time. It's just such a fun, interesting, fascinating position that he hit that he is in, that he resides in. A lot of it comes from him playing in L.A., obviously. But also, look, no matter what you think of him, he was a fun player. He was an intense player. And he was great. He was great. There's no, there's no bones that can be, you know, there's no bones about it. Kobe Bryant, you can't discuss the, the the history of this league without talking about Kobe Bryant. And that's huge when we're talking about a player and his greatness. You can't talk about the NBA without talking about Michael Jordan, Magic, Bird, Bill Russell, Will Chamberlain, LeBron. Kobe is right there. Shaq. That's that's a that's a clear way to to, to demonstrate someone's greatness. But recently, and you know, I, I'm, I'm assuming there has to be a certain level of narcissism when you are at uh, that type of player at that when you play at that great of heights. Right. I can't imagine there being many humble players who were all time greats in any sport. You think Tom Brady is humble? Peyton Manning. You think Tiger Woods is humble? What about Rafael Nadal? You think he's just the everyday man? No, none of them. When you are great, especially as a competitor, I mean, everybody every day sees you and they adore you, idolize you. You know what I mean? It's got to be tough, and I'm not excusing it, but I think it's, it's a very real thing, and you're seeing it with Kobe. Kobe Bryant, for his entire career, for much of his career, People viewed him as the closest thing to Michael Jordan. Kobe Bryant wanted to be Michael Jordan, wanted to be better than Michael Jordan. It was something that clearly drove him. He changed his number from 8 to 24. He had five rings, and you know he wanted six, and you definitely know if he had a chance to get seven, he would have done anything short of sacrificing a human being for it. He played like Jordan. He wore his knee band like Jordan. He shot like, let me... Man, you're everything. He wanted to top Michael Jordan. And for Kobe, that was all about, can I get to six? Can I pass six? The way he viewed being greater than Jordan was win more championships. So you can imagine how this must feel when he sees LeBron. And it's not like just a rabbit fan base. There are respected people. I mean, like, there we have now reached the moment where there is a literal, a, a significant discussion about who's better between LeBron and Jordan. And again, you can't. You, you're not. They're great in different ways. Jordan was the ultimate. You get. He's the closer. Mariano Rivera. You get me to this position. I will do what I need to do to win. And his record speaks for itself. He also, though. Especially those last three championships, he had the better teams. That is part of Jordan's legacy. He was amazing in the biggest moments. That cannot be denied. But what also can't be denied is that he had the best teams. He never played a team that was better than him. 
LeBron has failed on the biggest stage multiple times. Absolutely. You LeBron fans, you can't ignore that. 2010-11 finals is not going anywhere. Never will. But LeBron never had the best, like very rarely. I mean, think about it. The worst team LeBron beat in the finals had three MVPs, three of the best players in the league. Jordan, look at the, look at Jordan's record versus the best teams. He didn't have a great record versus Detroit. Never beat the Celtics. He beat the Lakers once with split with Orlando. And then after that, I mean, and then he beat the Suns. That Suns team was special. But that Jazz team, don't tell me about how great that Jazz team was. That Seattle team, that's the the first number one seed to lose to an eight seed. Don't talk to me about how great they are. So that's that's where the debate lies between Jordan and, and LeBron. And Kobe, you know it eats at him. Because what LeBron is getting, Kobe wanted. Kobe, no, there's nobody who will argue that Kobe Bryant is better than Michael Jordan. There's no one. No one. You could be a Laker fan, and Laker fans won't even say that. The people who say LeBron is better than Jordan don't like Cleveland. We're talking about respected journalists. We're talking about people who who study data and games, coaches, legends. Jerry West. I was a producer years ago, and Jerry West was, you know what? I think I think LeBron's going to be better than Mike. Scottie Pippen. He don't know what the hell he's doing, but he said several times that he thinks LeBron is better than Jordan. And you know, all of that eats at Kobe because he's such an egomaniac. And his ego is what made him great as a player, as a competitor. But it's also something that nobody wants to hear the guy who's not playing anymore taking shots. Nobody wants to hear that. One of the reasons we love Arnold Palmer so much, right? Jack Nicholas. These guys, God bless the Arnold Palmer. But with Jack Nicholas, you know, he never speaks ill of Tiger. Even when it looked like Tiger was, it was an it was going to be inevitable that he was going to break his record. Jack spoke with class and it made him great. So now that Tiger is not going to catch it, we we not only do we respect his greatness as an athlete, but we respect him as a man. Right? There are plenty of guys who, when their records are close to being broken, Mercury Morris, we look at him as a clown. Because he was just so caught up on somebody beating his record. Now Kobe is taking shots at LeBron. And people at, and Kobe's talking about LeBron needs to be a better teammate. LeBron needs to find a way to win championships. Like, how can a man exist in the world? Like, how, how enclosed is your bubble that Kobe can say that and not think that we all forgot? Kobe, you demanded a trade. You wanted to be traded to Chicago. And then when the when the Lakers were going to acquiesce, you were going to veto it because you didn't want them to trade Luau Ding. You wanted to play with Luau Ding in Chicago. This is something that actually happened. We remember. We remember you going to the Lakers saying, I'm going to leave. I'm going to go to the Clippers or the Bulls if Shaq is here. God bless Jerry Day. God bless the dead. Jerry Buss had to make a decision between you and Shaq. You guys would have you would have won more than five championships had you just swallowed your pride and played with Shaq. And I get it. 
I'm sure those last two championships that you won mean more to you than the first three because you were the guy. But that's not being a great teammate. What about when you blew a 3-1 series lead versus the Suns in the first round? Or when you missed the playoffs altogether in the prime of your career? Nobody was telling you you need to find a way to win championships. You were concerned about blaming everybody except for yourself. And then when Mitch Kupchak, a general manager, by the way, who you ripped on a parking lot flip phone camera because he didn't trade Andrew Bynum. Once Mitch Kupchak got you, Pau Gasol, the first year, y'all went to the finals. What happened? You got blown out by the Celtics. Partly because that man, Andrew Bynum, was hurt. Was that being a great teammate? Was that winning championships? Like, again, I'm not one of these people who hate Kobe Bryant. I'm not. Kobe Bryant was a fun player and a and a, and a huge and a pivotal part in the NBA's history, right? They were still searching for the next Jordan, and Kobe did the best he could and made, made it fun. Those Lakers games... In the late 90s, throughout the 2000s, man, it was an event. Must-see television. And Kobe lived and performed in some of the most iconic games, series, championships in league history. But you got to have some type of self-assessment. You got to understand who you are on the grand scheme of things. Kobe Bryant, you are not better than LeBron James. You are not better than Michael Jordan. You are not in their discussion. You're not better than Tim Duncan. You were never the best player while you were playing in the league. You were never the best. I know that has to hurt. He's not listening to this. But even the stands out there, the Kobe stands, it got to hurt y'all. I know. Doesn't mean Kobe wasn't great. Doesn't mean Kobe wasn't a special player or he's not an all-time great player. But there are tears. There are levels to this. Kobe's not on that level. He's not on LeBron and Jordan's level. And whether you think Jordan is better than LeBron or LeBron is better than Jordan, they are on the same level. Splitting hairs trying to decide who's better between those two guys. Kobe's not on Magic's level. He's not on Larry's level. He's not on Duncan's level. He's not on Olajuwon's level. He's not on Shaq's level. I mean, he's not on Wilt's Kareem. Just keep on going. And now we're getting to the point where we're starting, we're going to now have to start discussing. Damn, is Kobe Bryant better? Is, is Steph Curry better than Kobe Bryant? Is Kevin Durant better than Kobe? Like, we are now coming up to the point when those questions, these debates are the ones that need to be discussed. Kobe Bryant and his militia, his minions, it's like a cult-like following. They will have you believe that Kobe Bryant is a peer of Michael Jordan. When in reality... Kobe Bryant is holding on for dear life because Steph Curry and Kevin Durant, they're nipping at him. And probably within the next two to three years, they will have surpassed him in terms of great players. That doesn't mean Kobe's not great. It means Kobe's the old guy standing out of the club or the old man in the mall talking about why all the young boys aren't talking to the beautiful girl walking walking down, even though he's in the mall by himself without any beautiful woman on his arm. That's what Kobe is right now. Kobe's out the game chirping, telling everybody else what they should do and what he used to do. 
Like we don't remember. Like we don't remember. So Kobe, and it hurts me to do this, bro. Because again, I like Kobe. I'm not a Kobe hater. But Angry Man. It's been a while since I since I had to make you do this, bro. But Angry Man, there's a few words you need to say to one Kobe Bean Bryant. Holla at him real quick. Man, sit your ass down. Kobe Bryant, sit your ass down. Sit your ass down, Slim. What are you talking about? Hating ass on the sideline. Ain't nothing worse than that. <laughs> All right, guys, you heard the horn. So you know what that means. That means it is halftime. But before we go to halftime, it's long overdue. We are coming back with stoppage time. It's been a few weeks since I've done stoppage time. And I like to do this. If you guys tweet or you email at me. Let me know your thoughts on the show. I really appreciate it. I really love reading your emails, the positives, even the negatives. I enjoy it. I enjoy interacting with you all. So remember, you can email me at quarterlyreport at gmail.com. That's Q-U-A-R-T-E-R-L-E-E, -E, report at gmail.com. You can also tweet at me at quarterly show. That's Twitter at quarterly, Q-U-A-R-T-E-R-L-E-E, -E, show. Again, interact with me. Let me know your thoughts. If you disagree with a stance or a position that I'm taking on the show, maybe you think that Kobe Bryant absolutely is a peer of LeBron James and Michael Jordan. A, you'd be wrong, but B, I'd love to hear your argument. You know, I like intelligent disagreement. I enjoy it because maybe I'm missing something. I ain't missing a damn thing when it comes to Kobe Bryant, but maybe I am. I'm not. But I'd love to hear from you. You understand? So this email, and this is coming from two weeks ago, this is from Curtis from Waldorf, and he says, do I think Drake was right in not responding to Pusha T? So obviously, episode 59, we spent a lot of time devoted to Drake and the beef he had with Pusha T. And throughout the over the past two weeks since that last episode, it came to come out that you know Jay Prince, absolutely real one, made man in the game. Came out and put an end to the beef. Was like, yo, we're not getting involved. Drake, boom, boom, boom. I told him not to make a response. He had a response, but we're not going to hear it. He didn't want him to get involved because he was like, it was going to be crucial, crucial to 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 Kanye's career. He said it was going to end Kanye's career, and that push was going to be feeling some type of way as well. Um, during episode fifty nine, I said if I was Drake, I would have just left it alone. Because Drake exists, again, Drake exists in a different ecosystem than Pusha T under the hip-hop umbrella. He just doesn't. In fact, there's just not many guys who, who do and who can stay and can live where Drake lives, you know, who can exist where Drake has carved his, his it's not even a niche, he, he's carved his, his, his throne, right? He's the most popular rapper in the world. But man, it just seems weak, Joe. It seems weak that he didn't he didn't even respond. And this is the thing. If you feel like you in and over your head, okay, boom. Maybe you are. If your OG comes in, it's like, yo, shut it down. Man, you got your OG can't be the one on the radio run, on the press tour. Where have you been? No tweets, no new songs, right? Your album's getting pushed back. Nobody knows what's going on. So you look shook. Your dad is going at, 
at Wendy Williams. You went through the process of making a song. What, like, what you scared of? The thing is, Drake didn't have to respond to Infrared. Infrared was like just light. And Infrared was in response to Two Birds, One Stone. Again, Drake put himself in this position. Push was going completely after Wayne. That was him, baby. He took shots. Drake wanted to stand tall for his crew. He inserted himself into this. And now, when things got heated, when you got Push's full attention, you want to bow out, and you want to bow out under the, you know, using your OG strength and his credibility to kind of shield you from criticism? That's the most Canadian thing I can think of, man. That's so lame. I'm so... Again, I think he was smart not responding to Push because the longer he did it, the longer Push becomes a big thing. Push is big to people who love that type of rap. I love Pusha T. Always will, man. I remember grinding. That joint means Lord willing, hell have no fury. Those two things, those two albums mean a lot to me. But Push makes music that's not going to be received by a lot of people the way Drake does. So the longer Drake engages with this man, the more attention, the more shine that Push gets. And there's nothing, nothing that Drake can do to respond that respond to that. Drake outspat Push with the two songs. The Duppy Freestyle Drake is spinning way better than Push, but because Push just pulled out facts and exposed them, people feel some type of way. He embarrassed them. Drake, what's Drake going to say about Pusha T? Pusha T, people don't care about Pusha T like that. So what you going to expose him on? I don't think Pusha T got a shot, a picture in blackface. I don't think he's hiding the baby. Like all these things, even if he is, no one is going to care. It's not going to resonate the same way. If Pusha T has a, a child that he's not fathering, people aren't going to care the same way they care about Drake. And then there were rumors that, man, Push may have a picture of Drake at Dr. Miami having the ab surgery and all this other stuff. Like, you don't know. This dude already exposed you once. Don't. You can only lose fans at this point. Right? There's nothing in it for Drake to win. There's nothing in it for him to gain. So I thought ultimately bowing out was fine. But the way he did it, man, that joint was sucker. That was a sucker move to the umpteenth degree. So Curtis, man, that that's my answer. I think Drake made, I think, I'm again, we're not calling him Drake. I had to catch myself. Aubrey, I think Aubrey made the right decision not responding to Push because there was just no win there for him. And, you know, ultimately he was only going to do himself more harm than good, but the way he did it, that was weak. All right, guys, every other week, remember, I'm going to answer your questions, so keep it clean. You know what I'm saying? Some of y'all got some wild questions I ain't going to even put on the pod, but Ask me something about anything, whether it's something I'm discussing on the show or something that you want me to discuss. Hit me up on email, quarterlyreport at gmail.com or on Twitter at quarterly show. All right, so we're going to get to halftime this week. And halftime, it's fitting, okay? Because, again, we just finished talking about Aubrey and his little rough go at it. So we're going to go to our call center, the hotline bling, to answer some more questions concerning the biggest names in sports and entertainment. Check it out. Hello and welcome to the Quarterly Report Call Center where we answer your toughest questions each week. Caller number one, what's your name and where you're from? 
Hey, what's going on? This is Earl, but everybody calls me JR, and I'm repping Cleveland right now, at least. And I got a question. About two weeks ago, I made maybe one of the most embarrassing moves, decisions in the history of television. Now, everywhere I go, people are killing me, making jokes, asking me if I know the score, asking me if I know the time, etc., etc. Man, I'm a world champion, former world champion, former sixth man of the year. And I fear that I will always be remembered for my worst mistake. Is there anything I can do to kind of change the tide, change the perception? All right, Earl, man, thanks for calling in. Um, short answer to your question, no. <laughs> there is nothing that you can do that can change the tide, man. When, Whenever the society at large, especially the NBA fans, get on to something, bro, you're just going to have to ride that wave. I don't know what it is that's going to happen that make people forget. Actually, you know what? I'm going to be completely honest with you. No one's ever going to forget. Nobody gives a damn that you were sixth man of the year. Nobody gives a damn that you went to, what, three straight NBA finals or that you are a former NBA champion. doesn't matter. You got to eat this L, bro. There's no amount of icing, sugar, ice cream coating, whatever, that's going to make it feel better. But luckily for you, at some point, LeBron James is going to make a decision this offseason. And... As we get farther and further away from that moment, the sting will become less, you know, painful, if you will. People will then forget about it. And the fact of the matter is, if and when LeBron leaves Cleveland, nobody's going to think about you in the finals because you ain't going to come close to that joint, bro. I'm just, I'm being brutally honest. So you got to ride this wave for a few weeks. It's going to hurt. And no one's ever going to forget. And there's nothing that you can do to make people forget about it. The only thing that you can do, sit down, shut up, and don't draw any more attention to yourself, bro. Because the first time, the first you have a good game, guess what everybody's going to talk about? You have another bad game, guess what everybody's going to talk about? It's right off into the sunset, man, and look at your ring. You made a lot of money, and you've been a successful NBA player. But as of this moment, nobody's trying to hear that <laughs> All right, that was caller number one. Caller number two, you have reached the quarterly report call center. What's your name and where you're from? Yeah. This is Aubrey from The Six, and first off, I love your show. It's been a rough few weeks for the kid, damn. But I need to really bounce back in a major way. And to do so, I went back into the old school to pull on people's nostalgia about a former television show called Degrassi. Yeah. I'm curious, do you think I made the right move in avoiding beef and then trying to pivot and change the tide for my new album release? I'll hang up and listen. Damn. Okay, Aubrey, this is a real easy answer for you. Just keep making good music. Like, nobody views you as some tough guy. You was, you was feeling yourself, Joe. You got to be honest. You were really feeling yourself after the Meek Mill situation. And you thought that you was you was sending subliminals and Kendrick. You was doing a lot, Sam. You was doing a whole lot. And then, you know, you jumped, took the bait in something that you really shouldn't even have been involved in. You was just trying to ride for your team. Your team who hasn't even really come out to defend themselves. You jumped out there. You was feeling yourself, jumped out there, and you got caught. You know, you got caught, took a shot right on the chin, you fell down, and, and you retreated. But it's okay because no one even views you in that light. Your fans love you, bro. It doesn't matter if you get pissed on. It doesn't matter if you have a child that you're neglecting. It doesn't matter if you're in blackface. People will defend you no matter what. But 
learn from this situation. There are some people who do not care and they will rip you apart. And it's clear that Pusha T is one of those people. From now on, leave him alone. Don't punch down for real. At this point, you really you really might might as well just not ever really engage in anybody else. Because people are going to start sending shots because they smell blood. Make great music and just do your thing. You exist in a different realm. Be appreciative of that. Stop trying to rock both sides, man, because you're going to end up in a situation where Jay Prince can't save you again. This is a one-time carpool. Like, he came and saved you. Don't, don't even do it. Don't punch down, Aubrey. Make great music and shut up. All right, guys, that's the quarterly report call center for this week. But as always, I'll be back right around the corner, ready to answer all the questions for your biggest celebrities. See you then. What can I say? I am a man of the people, giving out advice at a moment's notice, you know, trying to help out two people who've had a really, really bad June thus far, you know, J.R. Smith and Aubrey. But um, for each of those guys, for different reasons, time is the best. Time is on their side. The, the further we get removed from game one and the story of Adidon, the better for both men. Uh, I feel like J.R. is going to have a, a worse go of it than your boy Aubrey. But in any case, Thanks again for the calls. That was halftime this week. The adjustments have been made. We are ready to finish this show up strong. The second half is upon us, and we're going to get busy with the third quarter with my special guest this week, Troy Macker. He is the senior digital producer at NBC Sports Washington, a man I've known for a few years now, my guy making his return appearance, his second appearance on the quarterly report, my man Troy Macker. Troy, appreciate you joining me this week on the Quarterly Report. Yeah, no problem. Anytime. So we're going to start here. The biggest story in this area clearly has been the Capitals winning the Stanley Cup and just their ongoing celebration. And earlier in the show, I discussed kind of how, you know, it was odd because on on the same day you had Kevin Durant, uh, an area kid, someone who gives back to this community. He's winning his second championship in as many years celebrated as the finals MVP, but you can tell he wasn't necessarily being, he's not beloved, definitely not beloved nationally. And even in golden state where they obviously appreciate him, he's like maybe the fourth most loved player. And he, he chose that route. Whereas in DC, his hometown, his home area, an area he loves Ovechkin is adored. I mean, I, maybe it's prisoner of the moment, but I don't believe it is. Alex Ovechkin may go down as the most beloved, the favorite, the most, you know, the most beloved, this area's favorite athlete when it's all said and done. Something that Kevin Durant, I don't know if he can ever attain no matter where he ends up playing, right? Not in Golden State, definitely not in Oklahoma City. So as someone who has been covering the Capitals, been covering this parade, do you think I'm overstepping or am, am I being prisoner of the moment when I say that Alex Ovechkin goes down as this area's favorite player of all time? I don't think so. I, I think the other person you'd throw in there is Daryl Green. And Daryl right. Green, while, uh, you know, a face of the franchise, he wasn't a specialty position. He was, cornerback is usually, what, the sixth most visible position, seventh and quarterback, running back, wide receiver, all trump that. And, and there's less players on the hockey team than a football team. And Alex Ovechkin has 
struggled with the team for 13 years. And so if this had happened in his third year, it'd still be great. And we'd be celebrating it having been only a decade since, uh, right. you know, a DC team had won, but it, it's almost like it made everything better that um, we finally could embrace the superstar uh, after a long struggle. That's why the celebration was so good. That's why no one is really complaining that like, yeah, they're partying for five days, but why not? Yeah. This is, this is two decades coming. And he is, He's, I think before the title, he's the best player to ever play in D.C., other than right. Michael, Michael Jordan, and that's a completely different thing. The argument I would make uh, is Cal Ripken, and that's only because up until 2005, there were a lot of people from the area who rooted for the Orioles. But, right. um, and, you know, growing up, he was my favorite athlete and, you know, multi-time World Series winner, like the Iron Man. But it's Ovechkin. He's the biggest superstar in the sport during a huge time for media and everyone getting to know. He was He's huge, and now he's a megastar, and he has ingrained himself that you can see how much he wanted to win it. You can see how much he cared about D.C. because of the celebration, and for a while it was like he doesn't try very hard. He's not a leader. Yeah. He's just a quiet, big Russian guy who doesn't speak the language and likes to, you know, do his own thing. It, it, you could see this playoff that he led, and it's funny. I think Alex Ovechkin is more of a D.C. person than Kevin Durant. I mean – Granted, Kevin Durant's a local, a native, but Ovechkin has spent his last, you know, his formative last decade here, and uh, his, the people have embraced him, and it's easy to root for a winner, and it's easy to root for a superstar. So, you know, unless Bryce Harper stays and wins, rattles off three World Series and another MVP, like, it's Ovechkin, and I don't think it's further in the moment. I think it's completely justified. You know, I was racking my brain about this earlier, and, you know, I did come across, you know, thought about, Dale Green is possibly being the area's favorite athlete, but it's tough um, as a cornerback to do that. You know, Dion, he's his own category because he had this larger-than-life personality. Daryl wasn't high-stepping and flashy like primetime. But the other name I thought about was Doug Williams, and I'm not trying to compare Doug Williams to Alexander Ovechkin in terms of greatness because obviously Ovi is one of the greatest players to ever play hockey. Doug is not that for football. However, Doug's impact, I mean, he, he means so much to so many people here. But ultimately, I think it's going to be Ovechkin, and I don't even know if it's going to be that close, mainly because I, he, he struggled, like you said, to get to this championship and that, to end this drought. And secondly, you know, they may not be done. Yeah. Well, and the thing is, is, you know, it is fresh, but it really isn't. We've all just been waiting for this because right. – like a Marlins team that wins a, a random championship, like they've had a window for a decade. They've been, you know, one of the top four teams each of the last 10 years, basically, you know, right, here right. or there, they, but they have been consistently one of the favorites to win the Stanley cup for a decade. And it was just one thing. It was getting over the hump of the playoffs. So we all knew it should happen. If it never happened, it would have been one of the great, you know, disappointments and just, you know, not travesties, but to see right, someone like right. that never get a title. We were all just literally waiting to hit send, and then they won. And so now it's like it, it is fresh, the celebration aspect of it, but, like, it, everything is warranted, and they've done everything perfect. Like, this is the type of celebration that a city that, uh, you know, hasn't had a champion or any sort of success should celebrate. And embracing a superstar is not just a superstar to this city. He's a, he is a worldwide hockey superstar. He is probably the most recognizable hockey player on the planet before the parade. And before right. winning it. And now he's won over the entire D.C. metro area, hockey fans or not. 
Once again, guys, I'm joined by my guy, Troy Macker. He is the senior digital producer at NBC Sports Washington, making his second appearance on the show. And, Troy, we're going to stay with D.C. sports but move to the NBA as the draft is approaching. Actually, it's next week. The Wizards, they are picking 15th. And, you know, I'm not the biggest college basketball fan, and obviously you are. Till this day, I still have people telling me and thanking me, oh, tell your guy, Troy, you know, thank you for the tips. My bracket, I won, blah, 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 blah. So you know what you're talking about as it pertains to college basketball. So with the Wizards selecting 15th and knowing how difficult their cap situation is, the only way for them to significantly improve next season is through this pick, this draft. So who are some realistic names who will be available at 15 that you think Wizards and Wizards fans more specifically should keep an eye out on to help this team next season? So it's tricky because I think in that range there are a lot of good players that um – they could develop and become, you know, integral part of this team and are, are quality basketball players. Like, it's good to see the Wizards having a good crop to choose from. The problem is, because they're so limited with their roster right now in terms of flexibility, it's like, if you're trying to get someone who's going to help right now, you right. need to look at a big man because they are, their big man are, are old and not great. So you're looking at guys like um, Robert Williams from Texas A&M, who was a lottery pick before the season started in, and, you know, Texas A&M was as up and down as any team in the country. Lost nine in a row, won 14 in a row, uh, super talented. You know, he's like the DeAndre Jordan light, maybe. Okay. Um, but, the, but the thing is, is that uh, DeAndre Jordan's team, the Clippers, have the 12 and 13 picks, and depending on what they're going to do, so he may not be there. So if he's not there, then you're looking, who's another, you know, good big man? Mitchell Robinson, who's going to be the enigma of the entire draft class, Five-star guy, McDonald's All-American, went to Western Kentucky, uh, but never actually played because of eligibility issues. So there's no tape on him, and he is a 7-1 center with a 7-7 wingspan. But if you you like uh, limitless upside and potential and wingspan and things you have no real knowledge of, he he could. He could. I mean, he's a monster rebounder, but he's been playing against a bunch of Troy Mackers in high school. So you, you literally – and his, his technical aspect is not great, but if you're looking right. for upside and maybe you put this guy in and, oh, my God, you stumbled into Hassan Whiteside, problem solved. Right. However, right. you could also stumble into Andre Black. Yeah. So if you're looking to hit now, I think you've got to go big man. And if not, you know, there are a bunch of good shooting guard, small forward, wing players. Um, you know, Zaire Smith from Texas A&M is a freak athlete. But there are a ton of good athletes, freak athletes. But in the NBA, you kind of have to be a freak athlete. So if you're a freak athlete who's still developing his jump shot and can't get to the lane, what do you provide? Uh, how are you How are you going to stand out above Kelly Oubre, who's the ultimate you know energy guy, and then uh, an Otto Porter, who is you know also a glue guy, but pop and shoot guy, does a little bit of everything. So you know you're looking at almost those types of players: Kevin Knox, uh, Lonnie Walker. Dante DiVincenzo, but it, it's it's just weird where they're picking, and a lot of these guys I'd love to have for like 20 or 25, but 15, I don't know if you – I would – my personal belief is you try to get, you know, the best talent available, but the Wizards don't have a lot of equity uh, with, with the fans, and uh, so you don't – there are a lot of black eyes in terms of uh, taking, taking prospects or guys who you think are going to pan out, especially big men and anyone above 6'9", you know. Uh, Petrov and Jan Vesely and Andre Blatt and Kwame Brown and the list goes on to Vail. Um So I think they're going to get a, a really good player who can contribute. It's just 
will he contribute five years from now where who knows what the team looks like or can he contribute this year? And if it's this year, you, you got to go big because they don't have any big men. Once again, guys, I'm joined by my guy, Troy Macker. He is a senior digital producer at NBC Sports Washington. Make sure you follow him on Twitter. He's at Troy Macker. That's M-A-C-H-I-R. Really fun follow. And Troy, this is my last question to you. Um, you, much like myself, huge combat sports fan. Now, I'm more boxing than uh, mixed martial arts. I'm not really into UFC and mixed martial arts. However, um, I was surprised about maybe two, a month and a half, two months ago when the uh, details came out that ESPN had the rights now. They bought the rights to uh, broadcast UFC fights. Um, about a year or so ago, they did the same thing with Top Rank Boxing, and their deal with Top Rank has been extremely successful, far more successful than I thought it was going to be. So you can see them opening up more to the idea of broadcasting these fights, whether it's boxing or MMA. Um, now, it seems as if Fox kind of chose wrestling over MMA. I'm not sure about that. Please let me know if I'm wrong. But I'm curious. We know ESPN, they have their detractors. We know ESPN isn't what it once was. Um, but they still are significant in terms of influ being influential when it comes to sports. So how significant do you believe this deal, this partnership with ESPN and UFC will be? Uh, I actually don't think it's going to be very big for mixed martial arts. Uh, like you mentioned, Fox kind of decided to go with wrestling instead. They got smacked down. Uh, if you think about it, a couple years ago, um, UFC in some capacity was on ESPN. Uh, and they moved to Fox, and, and they had, you know, the uh, they had a huge heavyweight title fight to, to, on their first card um, between Cain Velasquez and Junior Dos Santos ended in 70 seconds. And, and so UFC has been synonymous with Fox, and ESPN really tried to make the splash with wrestling a couple years ago when they uh, allowed to give Jonathan Coachman, you know, highlights and whatnot. And uh, here's the thing is that mixed martial arts is, I don't believe, the UFC, I don't believe is in the, a great place right now. It's honestly on the decline because the UFC has gobbled up everyone, but from an organizational standpoint uh, has not invested in creating new fighters. They're invested in their own brand and they treat their fighters as independent contractors. So if you don't get a Ronda Rousey or uh, Conor McGregor, you know, are you going to invest the money in building these guys up when there are so many cards and so many fights that diehard fans like me can't even keep track of it? So, uh, you know, I think, and ultimately, just what's more popular sport, wrestling or mixed martial arts? It's wrestling. It's corny. It's right. not really a sport, but, like, you can get no, more I, people. Yeah. thousand percent. And it's funny. You, me you mentioned top rank. I, I think boxing and mixed martial arts are heading in two different directions. I think boxing is, is coming back in a very good way, and I think mixed martial arts is going back into the we need to get, you know, it almost needs to turn back into a circus a bit to get fans back because – ESPN's great, but ESPN is losing, you know, the the, the positivity in the public. Um, and without, like, a, a lot of marquee fighters, who are they? It's just another place for us to go to watch it, but it's not going to be a, a launching pad for people's careers, I don't think. So, uh, right now, like, I think boxing trending up uh, in kind of the television broadcast world, wrestling is always going to be there because, like NASCAR, just people love it. And I think mixed martial arts is uh, heading in the opposite direction. That, my friends, is Troy Macker, senior digital producer at NBC Sports Washington. 
As always, make sure you follow him on Twitter. He's at Troy Macker. That's M-A-C-H-I-R. Troy, thank you so much for joining me this week on the Quarterly Report. Sweet. Thanks for having me, man. Always a pleasure. I really enjoy interviews like that. We just went through the NBA draft, prospects that the Wizards should be eyeing for next week's draft. We went and discussed the UFC and ESPN and their partnership. And, of course, DC Sports and their allegiances when it comes to favorite athletes. So I really appreciate Troy Macker because I enjoy discussing a wide range of topics and to roam around different sports. And he clearly knows his stuff. Um, so, again, make sure you follow him on Twitter. Really fun follow at Troy Macker. And speaking of the NBA draft, I'm going to be taking part of something that's really dope next week. So if you're in the D.C. area and you love the Wizards or you love just the NBA, come on out to Half Smoke D.C. It's at 651 Florida Avenue. That's 651 Florida Avenue, Northwest D.C. Uh, My guy, Troy Halliburton, who's been one of my favorite guests, uh, he was on episode 59. He's throwing this, hosting it. It's all his idea. It's a really dope idea. A few of us are going to be out there watching the NBA draft, discussing um, what the Wizards should do, what the Wizards did, and how this will project the team. Again, it's at 7 p.m. at Half Smoke DC address. Address is 651 Florida Avenue Northwest. Come on out, have fun with us, have some drinks, eat some good food, and watch the NBA draft. Again, this is by my guy, Troy Halliburton, one of my favorite guests. So make sure you guys come on out, support us, support Troy, and have fun watching your Wizards. All right, guys, so that's enough about that. We're going to keep the show moving. We're going to finish up strong, stepping away from the hardwood, and discussing some NFL and Hall of Fame drama. That's how we're going to finish up the fourth quarter this week. Fourth quarter. Terrell Owens finally was allowed in the Hall of Fame earlier this year. He clearly should have been a first ballot Hall of Famer, but because people had an issue with his personality, um, his narcissistic ways, and all of the extracurricular, I don't know, events that happened in his career, he had to wait a few, you know, ballots to get in despite the fact that he's arguably the second greatest wide receiver of all time. And, you know, flip a coin, he and Randy Moss, Randy Moss, who was the first wide receiver Hall of Famer, they dominated their generation. Like, you can't name one without the other. I'm not saying that you have to think that T.O. was better than Randy Moss, but they were peers. They were equals, in my opinion, at least, even though I think T.O. was the better player. But after... This, this period of time that, you know, this arbitrary kind of waiting period, Hall of Fame voters, you know, finally said that T.O., all right, bro, you waited long enough. Now you can get in. And, th- I mean, that level of petty is so, I mean, think about this. The, the, the only reason you would hold T.O. out of the Hall of Fame is because of the petty nature in which he, uh, you know, behaved in all the silly things that he got himself into off the field like because there is no denying that Terrell Owens on the football field was a monster he dominated you know he didn't play around he didn't quote unquote play when I want to he ran over the middle he blocked he did the whole nine when it came to stepping on the field T.O. gave it his all so you would then pay pay him back essentially right quote unquote get him back 
by being petty. By saying, you know what, you don't des- we're not going to let you win because we don't want you to get in yet. We don't want you to have the, the honor of being a first ballot Hall of Famer because of all the extracurricular activities that you got in. So we're going to do this petty thing to make sure you don't get it. I mean, how silly is this, right? How silly is this? But whatever, T.O. finally gets in. And on my vacation, I see, I stumble upon the fact that T.O. is like, you know what, I'm not going to the Hall of Fame ceremony. Now, is that out of anger? Of course. Obviously, he's not feeling well, uh, not feeling well like physically. He just doesn't feel well that they made him wait. This is his way of being like, you know what, forget y'all, I'm good. He clearly cares about being in the Hall of Fame. And this is his way to, you know, I don't know, get his little piece of revenge, if you will. But him doing that, although it's petty, it's his absolute right to not go. The honor isn't going to the Hall of Fame. The honor is being memorialized, right, to be remembered forever as one of the greatest players who ever played in the NFL. And again, no one can deny that T.O. is absolutely one of the greatest players ever, absolutely one of the greatest wide receivers ever, and absolutely on the short list of the best players of his generation. So if he doesn't want to go, if he doesn't want to attend, sure, why not? No big thing. But of course, because it's T.O., everybody has an opinion. You know, y'all know my rules when it comes to the podcast. If somebody I don't really respect, I'm not going to say their name. But there was one pundit who went off on Tara Owens talking about how he shouldn't have been, he shouldn't have even been elected, inducted, excuse me, um, that the voters made a mistake and all this other nonsense. And my my whole thing is like, why is it that important? You know, this, this, the, the idea that the ceremony is more important than the actual meaning is something that I feel happens all the time in our society, not just in sports. There are people who will go broke trying to throw the most lavish and extravagant wedding, right? But when it comes to their vows, yeah, whatever. Let me just make sure this dress is right. Let me just make sure we got the right band and we have the right honeymoon spot. Like All that stuff is ancillary to the to the essence of the actual, like the most important thing is the marriage, not the wedding. Who cares what the, the, the wedding is like or the honeymoon is right? If you love each other, like do what you got to do. Don't have this great wedding, this great experience. And then you go back home and you're broken. You got to, you know, do whatever it is to, to make ends meet because you OD'd on your, on your, on your wedding. But that doesn't make any sense. Who cares if he's going to be at the Hall of Fame induction ceremony? The honor is in the Hall of Fame. He clearly wanted to be in the Hall of Fame. So why are are members of the media and former players taking shots at T.O. for saying that he doesn't want to go? If that's how he wants to carry it, all good, whatever. It's really only up to him. It it shouldn't matter. But here we go, right? Because so many people dislike T.O. And I'm not not here to, to change your opinion on the man, on the player, whatever the case. It's just silly. It's so silly. And then you got Michael Irvin getting involved, and then it, got, it turned super ugly after that point. But my whole, my whole, I don't know, the whole issue I have 
is that we got to stop acting like football players specifically, but athletes overall, that they're just mindless, you know, avatars, that, that they need to just sit down, shut up, and do what they're told. I've never liked athletes like that. I've always liked athletes who've challenged authority, challenged, you know, what percept like what is perceived to be the quote unquote right way, as long as you're not hurting anyone, as long as you're not violating any type of laws or I mean, because there's so many people now who, who are throwing a fit over Tara Owens, you know, skipping his Hall of Fame induction ceremony. But there are players who's the where do you see the outrage over Ray Lewis? This dude probably knows someone knows about a murder. There's no outrage. You understand? Think of all the men who are in the National Football Hall or the Professional Football Hall of Fame. All of the men who may have beaten a woman or committed a crime or. God knows what un, what type of unthinkable things that have happened to the members who had their busts. Like if those busts could talk, right? But we're getting caught up because T.O. doesn't want to go? How, how out of whack are we? Like this is the thing to get people riled up. The T.O. doesn't want to show up. Personally, I don't want to hear any of these Bama's talk. It always goes on too long. Very few times are there players who actually come and they and, and they actually hit home, right? Because so many times you got a player who who is trying too hard to be emotional, and then you got guys who just you know just aren't very good speakers and they don't convey their their story in a way that connects with other people. And you know what? Who cares? They're not there to connect their story to others. If you want to relate and if you do draw something or get inspired by your favorite player, more power to you. I'm not knocking any of these players. But the idea that you have to come up and talk to us because this is the way it's always been done. No. The voters pissed T.O. off. And I understand why he's pissed off. And because he's upset, he doesn't want to, he don't really rock with him. I much I I respect T.O. far greater that for him saying, you know what? I don't even like y'all. I'm not going to fake and pretend because I finally got what I wanted. I have a problem with how you guys handled this, and I'm not even going to take part in it. I respect that. At least he's calling it straight. You know how many people have been, oh, man, I don't even want them to vote. Like, They've, they've been waiting for years, and then they go there, this whole kind of prideful what route. I don't even care if I get voted in now. And then they finally get voted in on like their last year of eligibility, and, and they're like gushing over the Hall of Fame voter. Like, nah, bro, that seems fake to me. And, and again, you're rightfully, you have the correct opinion. Like, this isn't anything to play. Like, this, like you can make money off of being in the Hall of Fame. This is your legacy. And you have people playing, holding grudges for things that have nothing to do with wins and losses and performance on the field. They absolutely should be called out for it. They, also, they absolutely should be held accountable for their silly and petty behavior. And if this is the way T.O. wants to, you know, carry about his vengeance or his retribution, all power, like, the more power to him. 
But the, the, the fact that people are so mad at T.O. for not wanting to go, while you have all these other men who are or who have been inducted and who will be inducted in future years, not causing an outrage, you just got to start and think, where are our priorities? The worst thing Terrell Owens did, the worst thing T.O. did, was what, do sit-ups in his garage? Call out Donovan McNabb for throwing up in the Super Bowl? Who here wouldn't have done that? He fought, he does. Think of the people who T.O. Has, has challenged, whether it was verbally or physically throughout the years. You know, Jason Garrett, hate to say it, but it seems like T.O. was right. Hugh Douglas, Hugh Douglas showed his ass several times in the past. Seems as if he was right. Donovan McNabb, you see, you, do, you, do you know why Donovan's not on ESPN anymore? If you don't, I suggest you Google him. Right? All the people that T.O. has challenged with or had a problem with in the past, it, it's not like... He didn't have a problem with Steve Young. You know, he didn't have a problem with Jerry Rice. He didn't have a problem with the people who have conducted themselves in a, in a manner that that's like, okay, these are respectable people. Outside of Jeff Garcia, he OD with Jeff Garcia. I don't know what the hell he was on. You know, you know, I I got I got him. In. He he was wild. He he was tripping with that. But outside of that, and let's make it. Let us be clear. Jeff Garcia was a pro bowler when he was playing with T.O. What happened to Jeff Garcia once T.O. left? The idea that people are holding Terrell Owens to like this crazy, oh, uh, you know, he's an awful teammate because he was mad that a quarterback forgot the plays in the Super Bowl, I'd be pissed off too because he said he'd rather play with Brett Favre than Donovan McNabb. I mean, who wouldn't? You mad at him because he's honest? Well, think this. Look how crazy this is. At least they're consistent. They were mad at him because he was honest as a player, and they're mad at him now because he will not he will not lie and he will not sacrifice his uh what he views his uh, feelings toward the Hall of Fame and the voters by acquiescing and just like, you know, I'm just happy to be here. No. They're upset with TO and the man of principle. He does. He says what he feels. He does what he feels and how he thinks is the right way of conducting. And he hasn't hurt anybody along the way. And again, I'm not going to excuse some of T.O.'s behavior. He was an asshole. And if you don't like T.O., you got. I, I'm not even going to. I'm not even going to argue against it. You have that right 100%. But as someone who was a fan, and as someone who, as a fan of just sports appreciates honesty and appreciates people being themselves. I got to admit, man, I, I'm, I ride with T.O. not going to the Hall of Fame because they were as much of an asshole as T.O. was as a player. I can't think of a bigger group of assholes, whether we're talking about Terrell Owens, Art Monk, Joe Jacoby, I mean, you name them. Who are a bigger group of assholes than the Hall of Fame voters? If you think you can come up with a list, I'd love to hear it. Please email me at quarterlyreport at gmail.com. Tweet at me at quarterly show. That's Q-U-A-R-T-E-R-L-E-E -E -E show. You can also get in contact with me on Instagram. We're at quarterly report. 
check out the Instagram page, man. We got a lot of dope, a lot of fun stuff. Again, my guy, AJ Atai, he was on the show last week, but there wasn't a show because of technical difficulties. We'll post some of that interview up. Also, big thanks to my guest this week, Troy Macker. Make sure you follow him on Twitter at Troy Macker, M-A-C-H-I-R. And of course, thanks to each and every one of you all who are listening to me. I appreciate the love. I appreciate the following, the feedback, and everything in between. And if you don't mind, head on over to Apple Podcasts or iTunes. Check up on the Quarterly Report Podcast. That's Q-U-A-R-T-E-R-L-E-E Report. And leave me five-star reviews and rate the show. Let me, let your friends, and let the world know what you think of the Quarterly Report Podcast. Good, bad, and everything in between. All right, guys, we will be back here next Thursday. It's the NBA draft, so you know a lot more NBA covers to go. That and more next week on the Quarterly Report.